Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Blood Red podcast, recorded to you on a a Tuesday, not a Monday, because some of us decided to stay overnight in Southampton and it was a bit harder for us to do it on a bank holiday. You're allowed a break or doily, it's okay. Yeah, it's nothing to do with me staying home, it's to do with you not bothering coming in. Some of us weren't yesterday. Maybe that as well. But yeah, I'm Theo Squires, I'm your host. Joining me today, in case you haven't already noticed, it's our Liverpool chief writer, chief Liverpool writer, yeah. Ian Doyle. Hello there, how are you? I'm alright, Doyle, how are you? It's not often you get to post this, is it? No, I think this is the first time I've hosted one in about four years. Obviously, normally you would, but as you're actually in Southampton, yes. and I've got a bit more insight today, you actually get to be a pundit for today. Indeed, yeah. So yeah, you enjoying the season being over now? We'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> and then on my other side, we've got Keith McDonald, who he doesn't really have a title here. I suppose I just go by K-Mac for you, don't I? I say that. He doesn't have a title. <laughs> he's, Not like that. Our, he's one of our many football trend Purple. writers, yeah. and he has also covered a Premier League game this season. Which yeah. we might get to later yeah. as well. Yeah. But yeah, do you know why I call you K-Mac? I don't know what you're going to tell me. Because uh, it sounds like K-Mac, as in Kevin Magnussen, for Formula One. You can tell I'm on the beach here going my, straight my into F1. Yeah, come on. But yeah. Now we have to wait at least 10 minutes before we get a <laughs> random Bolton or Formula 1 reference. Normally we'd go straight into uh, post-match stuff, seeing as Doyley was at Southampton, but we've got a bit of breaking news this morning. Liverpool officially have a, a new sporting director, George Schmachter. Schmadka. 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 Yeah. Doyley written. has written the story. Doyley has the details. I will pass over to Doyley. Yeah, he's a 59-year-old from Germany. Anyone who's watched the Bundesliga for any... Length of time, will may remember him being a goalkeeper. I think he played for Freiburg or Leverkusen or a bunch of Gladbach, like one of those, basically. He played for a couple of teams as a goalkeeper in the, the 80s and 90s, but he's, he's made his name as an administrator, a sporting director at a number of, number of clubs in, uh, in Germany, including uh, Cologne and Aachen. I think Hamburg was another one. And he's at Wolfsburg as well. And he's, uh, he's kind of gained his reputation as somebody who can work within a confined budget this might sound a bit familiar to Liverpool fans, <laughs> uh, can find budget and get the best, you know, extract the most value out of these kind of uh, signings and, and players. Now, he's obviously going to be working with an awful lot more money than he normally would have done in, in the Bundesliga with the, even you know, Liverpool, while they won't have, say, as much to spend as some fans would ideally want them to have, which is why they've walked away from at least one transfer. This, uh, this summer still going to have an awful lot of money so it'll be new to him in that respect but what won't be new is just negotiating for transfers and working as a sporting director with the, with the manager and recruitment team and that's something that he's, uh, he's been used to for twenty more than 20 years now um, our understanding is that he's coming in for, on a short term deal it's not three months uh, don't know exactly what it is but 
it's certainly not long term as such, but uh, Schmeiker in an interview in German just just actually just come out in the last hour. He's kind of confirmed that yeah, it is a, a short term deal. It'll take us through this transfer window, and then we'll see what happens after that. So it's one of these ones where I think both sides are going to take a look at each other and, and see how it goes. It was interesting as well that he said that he'd uh, been recommended for the job or to be considered for the job by Jurgen Klopp's agent. Uh, who said, you know, if you need somebody short-term who's got a lot of experience, this is somebody who they should be looking at. And uh, Liverpool obviously took heed of that. It was interesting because about 10 days ago, Jurgen Klopp was asked about Schmanker and he says, look, if we, if we do end up appointing him, it's got nothing to do with him just being German and me actually having some kind of knowledge of him or knowing him. And it's not like, So basically, he, he, he said, just because he's my mate, and later it turns out that while they know of each other, they're hardly like best buddies or anything like that. It's just they happen to have the same nationality and... As, as tends to happen, if you've got a little bit of knowledge of somebody and how they work, why would you choose not to use that? So uh, it'll be interesting to see because he starts on Thursday, June the 1st, that is Thursday, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. June the 1st, Julian Ward will have left then. Um, so Liverpool needed to get him in uh, soon as because the transfer window opens for Premier League clubs on June the 14th. I think it's international transfers. I've just that as well, so yeah. I think that's right. Yeah, well, it best have been. It's just right, <laughs> it? Um so there's that, and obviously Liverpool are looking to sign. Jurgen Klopp wants to sign players as soon as possible. He wants to get in the players for uh, for when they you know they reconvene at the Axa on July the eighth, I think it is, on the Saturday. And we know quite well Liverpool want to sign at least two midfielders. Klopp's kind of hinted, but we might want to sign a centre back as well. And that's not on top of say if any players we've spoken many times on this podcast decides they want to go and try the luck elsewhere or Liverpool are are given an offer for a player that they possibly can't refuse, then they'll, they'll need replacing. So we know Liverpool have got players that need to bring in. Um, we've been through the names millions of times. You know, Alexis McAllister, Brighton is the one at the moment who's the who's the priority. Uh, and it's a case now of them trying to get these deals over the line, and that's why they brought Schmacker in now. Well, Kiefer, we've known Julian Ward's going to be leaving since what, November, isn't it? And I think most of us have been thinking, oh, that's ages off in the replacement in the yeah. summer. And as Doyle's just said, June the 1st, that snuck up quickly. It's like, oh, wait, that's this week. Mm. New sporting director this week. Transfer window is very nearly upon us. It's going to have a baptism of fire, isn't he? He's going to have to go in, get straight into the transfer business, get his hands dirty, and hopefully be a success if Liverpool are going to have a better season than they have this year. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, as I think Gorsi wrote um, earlier this year, that a lot of the signings or a lot of the groundwork that will be done this year will be kind of credited as you know Julian Ward's kind of groundworks and maybe you know maybe not exactly his signings but you know it's not as if they're going to be deciding in the next 13 days who they're going to sign you'd, you'd imagine that's going to be you know pretty nailed down on, on paper in terms of having first choice targets second choice targets and, and so on and so forth um, and it's just about you know you'd imagine if someone kind of you know getting those deals over the line and, and that's obviously going to be Schmacker and I think the nature of the deal in terms of you know maybe people outside think you know, a couple of months or whatever it is, is, is a bit of a strange, uh, kind of a strange predicament, given how long Liverpool have had, you know, you say since November to kind of work as a succession plan for, for Julian Ward's exit. But I think it's one that, you know, as Doyle says there, works with both both parties. It's, you know, can both parties try, you know, this kind of different experiment, obviously it's something different for Schmacker in terms of, you know, the profile of the club he's working for. I imagine, you know, working in the the you know, if you're not working with Bayern Munich in Germany, a lot of the time your top player is going to be picked off. And if you kind of look at his track record of players, I mean, you know, one that's kind of come up with this, you know, in the last couple of weeks has been Ossie who's obviously Napoli and he's doing really well now. And I imagine there would have been other players who've maybe gone under the radar and his hands maybe been forced in that regard. So, you know, it's a completely different end of the, the kind of spectrum for him this summer and obviously something that will be, be testing 
Um, but also for Liverpool, it's you know obviously Ward was promoted internally, so someone who's who's kind of come externally, and and that will obviously present you know new ideas, and and you know hopefully it's it's a match match made in heaven for both parties. And if that is the case, then you know long term it could be something they look at. But if it's not, you know, and they can just get these you know deals, whether it be Alexis McAllister and you know whoever else may come into the club then you know then they can reassess in you know october november december leading up to january and then and then go again from there doily any concerns that they have had so long to choose the succession and they've gone for a short-term appointment you think they could have gone for something a bit more long-term here or is it just seeing how it goes and then because like Liverpool aside that have been so organized so considered with everything transfer wise whether it was julian ward michael edwards it is a, a change of approach for them to go for something a bit more short-term out of their comfort zone who knows? There could be loads of reasons. It might be that he doesn't want to do the full hit. It might be that Liverpool have got somebody else lined up further down the line. It might be that <clears throat> the club think, well, we might be getting new investments soon, so the whole model, model might change a bit. So we're just guessing that the reality is we can only deal or comment on what's actually happened. And while it is a little bit strange that it's a short-term deal, I suppose you could argue that it's one where it's like a probation period, isn't it, when you get a new job? So both of them are kind of, you know, checking each other out as it were you know just seeing how the land lies and seeing whether they can actually work on this kind of in this kind of environment and the, and the landscape because obviously for a smacker he's only ever done it in germany to so go in the interviews he was asked wasn't he? he says well there's loads of numbers knocking around in the these millions in the premier league are you going to cope with that he says well i haven't had a budget yet jokingly you know <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see if anybody kind of misquotes him on that as it were but uh i think it, it's going to be new for him it'll be new for liverpool but where it won't be new for liverpool is it's not going to change anything of the process that they've been doing in the past. It's just a different person doing it. And if he can, if he is going to obviously add experience to it, certainly deal with teams from Germany, for example, but he dealt with teams from, from other countries. Just as Kiefer said, it gives you a little bit of a different perspective. Perhaps Liverpool can benefit from that. Now, sticking with you, Doily, you're on the South Coast. I was. We said uh, on Friday's podcast, there's always that one mad result on the final day of the yeah. season. And I think we were feeling for more like a 6 2 victory for Liverpool. Mm. Instead, we got a four-all. The accuracy in those predictions did prove. What were you making of the game? It was a strange one, wasn't it? It was very much on the beach. You didn't watch it, did you? I only saw the goals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it was, was basically it was it's a training game. It was meant, it was you know just you've seen this game so remember when West Brom drew five-all with Man United? Yeah, yeah. It was that kind of game where you could tell that Liverpool didn't play anywhere near a full team. They went 2-0 ahead really early on and just went, oh, this is going to be straightforward. It's nice and sunny. You know, final gains for Firmino and Milner. Let's just crack on. And then literally within about 10 minutes, it's 2-all. And then start the second half, Southampton are down and wanted to give the fans something to cheer about. Make it 4-2 and Liverpool had no midfield and everybody just disappeared. And nobody wanted to do, I'm not tackling it. I'm going on holiday in a couple of days. You know what I mean? It was that kind of thing. So, but what was funny at the end, though, is that Clearly, Liverpool just went, hang on a minute, we can't get beat here by these. <laughs> and just put everybody forward. Scored the two goals. They could have had about four or five others. And in the end, it was just stupid. You know, enjoyably daft is what I described it. And I think anybody who's trying to read anything into that game, just have a rest. Summer's, it's the summer. You know, even my analysis pieces barely mentioned the game itself. It was just to, to do with the general scheme of things. That game was irrelevant. Unless somebody got injured, which no one did. You know, the only thing you possibly could say is, for Kelleher, Keaton Kelleher, is that finally gets his chance and I think on a couple of goals he was a little bit sloppy but he wasn't helped by no one bothering to defend for half of them so I think for him it was just he'll be a little bit annoyed rather than anything else but uh, other than that 
what else can you say about the game other than thank God the season's over? Going back to what you asked me in the first place, it's been <laughs> going on for a very long time. And but was it second week in July last year? I was flying out to to Thailand to cover a game against Man United, which they lost four 0 and everyone went, "Oh, don't read anything into that," which probably should have done. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, I think yeah, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? Now we can have a bit of a rest for a. It was like a weeks. year to yesterday, the day before, since we were at the Champions League final. Exactly, yeah. So the actual final day of the game was it the same date or it wasn't? Was it? No, yeah, it was. The, it was the same well, date. Yeah. It was the same I date. Yeah. The Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The final day of the Prem. So that's it. The full twelve months since, since Paris. So aren't you glad they're already out the Champions League and the FA Cup? So you don't have another two, three weeks of the season. I mean, well, no, not not really. <laughs> no, not not at all. I don't. I don't wish that at all. You know, you'd rather be doing that. But yeah, the fact that they're not in them. <clears throat> never gets a difficult final normally do they um, Champions League slightly different and they said we'll be getting the Champions League final next year The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Is that, that you done? That was yeah that's me done Very yeah. abrupt yeah. 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 Um, I think the one thing that did put a smile on people's faces Bobby Firmino he, he gets another goal and it was very Bobby I'm sure you've seen the exact same as me Kiefer it's just either a grainy stream or the goals on social media or something but it's a, a nice three ball he puts three players on the backsides and it's a very fitting way for him to depart as a Liverpool player Absolutely it was a, another kind of leg of his, his farewell tour wasn't it you know we, we had it after he announced his initial departure, he's come on and scored against United, didn't he? And then, you know, a few weeks later, he gets the, the last gas equaliser against Arsenal, which, you know, kind of started this, you know, what is it now, 11 game. He should announce he's leaving every week, he scores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, yeah, gets the equaliser against Arsenal and uh, and then, yeah, comes comes on against, after a few weeks out again, comes on against Villa, doesn't he, and gets the equaliser there. And then, you know, as you say, gets a kind of a typical Bobby Firmino kind of elegant goal on, on Sunday afternoon. And, and I think that's what a lot of people were, were there for kind of siege you know you could see all the Brazil flags in, in the away end and kind of the same for Milner as well obviously he's handed a, a rare start shall we say and you know I can't really comment on how well he played <laughs> because uh, quite frankly I think there was an, another game on that a few people were watching um, but it, to be fair close to home as well that <laughs> yeah. but I, I think I, you know it always says it enjoyably daft and I think it, it probably sums up you know, I know you can't read too much into it, but it, it did feel like it almost kind of perfectly kind of embodied Liverpool season, as in, you know, a, a false dawn, if you want, of going 2 0 up and thinking, right, he might be fully on the beach here, you know, get Milner up, get him a goal kind of thing. And, you know, maybe even get Arthur Mello on the pitch. Then obviously they're pegged back again and then kind of hit with, you know, another two goals to find themselves 4 2 down. Then they kind of rally and, and ultimately, as the, as the Premier League, they have in the, done in the Premier League season, sorry, they kind of just miss out on finding that winning goal. Obviously, Salah had a, a few chances at the end, but. As Doyley said, there's not too much you can really take away from that. Yeah, Kelleher will be disappointed, but you know I don't think anyone's going to be you know booting him out the door off the back of a game at Southampton on the you know the final weekend of May. You know goalkeepers typically you know find their groove over a longer period of time, and yeah, it was it was just you know I think I think you said it earlier, Phil. You're kind of glad that it, it wasn't a case of we were we were going for top four on on the final day and you know ended up missing out on you know you get the 71 points or 70 points whatever it was in the end and and you kind of miss out on on goal difference or by a point here and there and then you can start nitpicking. I think the fact that it was done obviously after United beat Chelsea on what was that was that Wednesday or Thursday night wasn't it? So you know that was kind of the mood of the game was you know there was fairly nothing to play for for, for either sides. Now, I was going to touch on the defending, but as you say, who cares? It yeah. was a game that meant absolutely nothing. I wouldn't. So let's move on to Fabio Carvalho instead. <clears throat> now, you were, I think, driving, actually, when you are on the way back from Southampton. It broke that there was interest in him. There's been a bid for him, and Liverpool's stance emerged. 
since then it's emerged. Stan Summer, just read the headlines <laughs> yeah. back to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> since then it's come out that I think Leipzig are the team that yes. had the bid rejected, mm. which wasn't available to us at the time. But yeah, what's the information with Carvalho that we've had? Well, as far as Liverpool are concerned, they don't want to sell him permanently in the summer. They would rather keep him. Whether or not that's keeping him and then putting him out on loan is another question, which is, is something I suspect they will look at uh, when they all get back together in July. Um, I mean, the player himself, it's not hard to kind of read between the lines that he'd rather be playing, which at 20 years of age he probably should be. Uh, and I think Liverpool see him as, as a player for the future. Whether or not he sees Liverpool as a future for the player is, is, is something else entirely. But as far as we're aware, there are a couple of Premier League clubs who've, who've you know, contacted Liverpool and said, would you mind if you know, considering taking him on loan for next season? Which I personally think would be quite a good move for him. Because he'd certainly get his minutes, he'd get his experience. And, and the standard of the teams, I think we've heard, read about, I'm sure it was all the Bs. It was Brighton and Brentford and I'm not sure whether Bournemouth was what. Burnley was one. Was, was it Burnley? Yeah, so it was all the Bs. So I think Burnley would be a good move for him, actually. Given the fact everyone just thinks Burnley, Sean Dyche. But it's not Every been that. It's not been that now. Is it? It's like yeah. he's obviously Vincent Company, and they're playing a completely different way. So that could be a good move for him, to be fair. Um, although if he plays well, Company then might try and move him on to Man City or something like that, <laughs> trying to persuade him to do that. They've had a lot of loans, uh, haven't they? Yeah. So they'll they'll lose a yeah. you know, Nathan Taylor. Those you might say it's Southampton. So as you say, it feels like it could be a move that. Mm. You know, he, would, he probably wouldn't have to move out either. No, <laughs> which I know we've. Bit of a laugh there, but that, but that, that would, yeah, exactly. That would happen with um, Elliot, that would, yeah. That would help with him sticking around Liverpool and whatnot. But yeah, as far as we know, Liverpool will have a decision to make a bit later on in the summer whether or not they want to keep him for the season or let him go on loan. Then it's up to the player himself. He player might just say, Nah, so we'll see. Now, you actually missed his highlights of the season. I think that was when me and Kiefer were on duty, so I had his goal against Bournemouth. I was there for the Newcastle game. You were there for Newcastle? Yeah, yeah. Not, not in the press box, no, though. No. You were there in the press box for that one. Um, it seemed like, oh, this is the start. He's come on, he's got a big moment. At the time, we thought it was going to be huge in the, the race for Europe, even back then. Yeah. It was like the full second win of the season after a poor start. It's not happened for him since then. Where do you think it's gone wrong for Fabio Carvalho? I think... <laughs> You know, there was a lot of talk kind of last season of people saying maybe should he have, you know, with Fulham going up, should he have stuck around there for another year? And, and obviously in hindsight with how well Fulham have done and kind of the brand of football they've played and, you know, the, the players they've brought in and they've become, you know, a really nice technical side on the eye. You, you think, you know, if you could turn back the clock 12 months with, with the player have maybe pushed for that. But then you look at it on the flip side of, you know, Liverpool have just gone for the quadruple. They've narrowly missed out. There's, you know, talk of kind of going again and building yourself and, you know, you're looking at can you can you get those extra points on Man City and go again in the Champions League? Like if if you know he would have wanted to go there and prove himself. So, you know, whilst there might be people kind of putting one and one together, I don't think it's as straightforward as that. But in terms of going wrong, I, I just think obviously Liverpool have been. You know, we know the well-documented issues they've suffered in midfield, and I think obviously that's you know the the games we have seen from him. There's obviously been greater pressure. So if you look at the cups and obviously what they play three games in the FA Cup, that takes on a greater importance with Liverpool looking like a trophy of the season in you know, January or February whenever they got knocked out by, by Brighton. Um, obviously the League Cup, he, he scored him, but they get knocked out at, at City, don't they, after the World Cup? And I think he got he scored, but he came off at half-time in that game, didn't he? I, I think they were City. both going to play a half anyway, him and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Right, yeah. So, you know, it's... But I think even when he has scored, and, it's, you know, I was, funny enough, I was actually looking at it last night, he's, you know, is it, is it three, or, three or four goals he's got? His, his record to minutes is probably fairly decent, but I think, you know, there is probably some issues off the ball and, and kind of, you know, adapting to the press. I especially thought of that Manchester City game and, you know, whilst they're not the benchmark to be judging a 20-year-old lad fresh from the Championship, I, I did think, you know, in terms of, you know, the physicality of it, I thought there was, 
you know, it, it was pretty telling. And, you know, we saw that with Elliot kind of when he first came on the scene. Obviously, I know he was a bit younger, kind of 16, 17, when he played in those kind of FA Cup games. But, you know, he went out and did a season on loan in the Championship with Blackburn and it kind of got toughened up. And, you know, he's come back now. And, yes, he isn't the biggest and he's, you know, quite a diminutive figure, but he's, you know, he's he's got that, like, explosive energy and he can kind of hold himself. It's the same with Curtis Jones. He was quite scrawny at the time, you know, when he was kind of coming through and he's built himself up. And I just look at Carvalho and I think, you know, could he maybe follow that same mould? And, you know, look, he's, this is, yes, I know this season hasn't been the season anyone expected, but, you know, this period and this time, team that he's coming into is, is up there with, you know, certainly one of the best Liverpool sides in, in, in the modern era. You know, you look at the players who've, you know, to, to, to say Graham Souness' phrase, put your medals on the table, they, they've won a lot. So I think, you know, in terms of him maybe finding himself out of favour and out of the match, he's got quite a lot. I don't think it's a, you know, it's a thing of, always oh, he's a rubbish player and everyone should get rid of him. You know, players take time. And we've seen that with Curtis Jones, who's obviously, what, now 21, 22, and he's kind of been a bit of a, not a late bloomer, but, you know, he's kind of, I know he's had injury issues, but he's he's kind of had those kind of teething problems maybe that, Carvalho is looking at now, but you know, obviously he'll be on a, a long contract, and you know they what they paid six, seven, eight million quid for him last summer. You know, you're almost guaranteed to to kind of earn that money back purely for association of Liverpool Football Club. So I, I think at the moment, you know, if you can get a, a decent loan, and you know whether that's abroad or in the Premier League, I do think a Premier League loan would would suit all parties because we know he's a technical player. And I don't think that's same doubt. It's just kind of the the other side and of the game, as I've said that you know maybe you're looking at him to to kind of better upon, but. I think, yeah, if you can get him away for a year and, you know, maybe do it that way and then look if he has a good season, you could maybe cash in if someone says it's 15 million quid. Um, you know, I'm sure Liverpool will, will bring obviously bring more midfielders in this summer, there might be more next summer, who knows. So, you know, it's I, I do feel a bit sorry for him in the sense of, you know, last night I think there was a bit of a, a pile-on on him in terms of, you know, people drawing conclusions of kind of attitude and stuff, which I, I do think is, is quite unfair if you, you know, consider what, what Klopp has said about him, you know, it was, was it Friday when he kind of turned around in the press conference unprovoked and kind of gave him a glowing kind of, you know, tribute for how he's behaved this season. So, you know, just hopefully that he gets something and we can kind of see more of his, more of his talent next season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now, he's, I think he's only had like 10 minutes of action since the January FA Cup games or something ridiculous like that. So you can appreciate him being unhappy with the situation. Yeah. There's reports yesterday of he'd like to go permanently, he doesn't favour the loan moves and just loads of contrasting things. Um, he, he made further headlines, didn't he, Fabio Carvalho? I'm going to ask you both this one. He took to Instagram, he did these, was it pictures of him modelling in fields and stuff with a, a chain emoji as the caption. We can all make our own assumptions to what that means and then you read the comments and he's like talking to one of the Manchester United players going, new home soon, eyes emojis with Andy Robertson. And then uh, saying all he's good for at the moment is modelling. Now, my initial reaction to that is grow up. But then you remember he's a 20-year-old kid. It's not been the season you'd have hoped for. What are your feelings on him coming out and speaking on Instagram and the way he's done these cryptic hints? Should he have just kept his mouth shut? Or is he going to get his move that he wants anyway on loan? Season only finished a couple of days ago. Be patient. I don't think, personally, I don't think he, again, as I said earlier, I think it was a bit of a pile on and kind of people putting one on one together and getting five. I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's a young lad who's obviously, you know, moved up to Liverpool and, you know, we know kind of the, the kind of fashion and influence age of, of young footballers these days. And, you know, the fact that you had Liverpool players like Andy Robertson, I mean, I haven't even looked at the post. I've, I've seen obviously the screenshots and stuff, but the fact you have, you know, players like Robertson and, you know, I'm sure if you go through the squad of, 
you know, players when they post on Instagram, you know, you go back and forth with all members of the squad. So I just think it's, you know, people kind of drawing conclusions. Obviously, the story came out yesterday. And I just think it's all something out of nothing, to be fair. And uh, I, yeah, I just think it, I think it's just a complete waste of time in terms of, you know, people, you know, saying that he's dropped hints about his future. I just think, you know, that will be resolved in, in due course. And I don't think, you know, him posting five photos on Instagram is going to change what happens with, you know, his Liverpool career. But that's, that's just my point of view on it. What about you, Jordan? Like he did turn comments off on the post, so he obviously knew that there would be some backlash, and he, he didn't want that backlash, so he took that away completely. Do you, I'm, I'm actually, you can tell by the look on your face, you have no opinion about this whatsoever because it's Instagram. You don't care. I couldn't care less. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, that answers that. Um, I think end of the season we'll go through some awards. I'm sure we'll do some fancier, longer pod on this at some point, but like sort of quick fiery things. Best press box food, Tottenham next. <laughs> That's a nice starting point. I'm guessing there will be some overlap. Chelsea but, second. Chelsea second. Yeah. You just log on to the capital. Uh, well, I'd prefer if, if, if the food was like that. You know, best coach Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> yes, best coach Arsenal. That's the highlight of the season. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is one I'm actually getting to highlight. Okay. That, that is like, right. we'll go early one. I think this one everyone's going to agree on. Player of the season. Um, well, Cater didn't have his best season, so I'd probably say Alison Becker. Alison Becker. Yeah. Yeah, Alison closely closely followed by Mo Salah. I think I give Cody Gakpo. I know it's not free, but I, to be different, I give Cody Gakpo shout as well. I think he's been brilliant since he's been coming in January. Wasn't being facetious there, by the way, because as you know, uh, publication a bit later on, I've done the rounded up all our ratings for the players, mm-hmm. and Alisson won uh, with Mohamed Salah second, and everybody else nowhere, uh, and Keita was by some distance at the bottom. But of the more regular starts, it was Simakas who was who was technically the worst player, but almost all of them were nowhere near as high as the ratings that they've had in previous seasons, which kind of reflects the kind of campaign that, uh, that that's been had. Yeah, it was interesting actually when you're going through that list and it's like the players that maybe fans would have an issue about or us as journalists going, oh, there's something not quite right there, they've not been at the best. When you do ratings and you look at it as a one-off game over the season, it did sort of give you the narrative that yeah. you'd have been expecting. Exactly, yeah. Don't want to give it away too much. If you want to read it, just click <laughs> on it and read it. Now, this one's probably another easy one. Young player of the season. It's not as, ah, that's not... As, you don't think no, it is? No, 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 right, because everyone's going to say Stefan Barhetic, right? I'll get, yeah, this, right one day. I'll I'll get this right yeah. one day. But he only played something like 10, 11 games. So I'd say the young player of the year is Harvey Elliott. Oh, yeah. Harvey Elliott, because he, he, he was in the team when they were doing terribly. And I know some people have said he dropped out and then suddenly started winning games at the end. But you know, I know I said we're not going to judge the Southampton game, but he came on against Southampton and was really good for like half yeah, an hour. Like, really, travel, really good. Right, and I think he was trying to just prove a point that he's not had enough minutes. He's had to play in a midfield that's been largely rubbish for the most part of the season, and he got stuck in. He scored some decent goals. Had a good game against Man United as well when they won seven 0 Sets up a goal there, so he's had good moments, and I think that he'll learn so much from this season. So I think purely on the basis that he was there for almost all of the campaign, he's been the best player, the young player, I should say. You going Harvey Elliott or Curtis Jones got a shout? Yeah, Harvey Elliott would, would have would have been my pick and probably still is on on kind of the grand basis of things. I think you look at the the games he played at Anfield, probably the the three biggest wins or maybe the three only wins. But obviously you look at United, he started that game. City he started that <coughs> game and Tottenham as well. He started, didn't yeah. he? So, you know, probably the three biggest results at Anfield. He was obviously instrumental in and. I think it was up until the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge. He'd been he involved in game, it. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. you know that's he was what August and September player of the month as well, wasn't he? The club, you know. So yeah, I think he's he's been brilliant, and you know, not just churning out games in terms of just getting on the pitch and and maybe being a passenger, but there has been moments of quality. You know, the the European group stage games, obviously scored at Ajax, scored at Rangers as well, didn't he? So I think it's been a really big season for him, and obviously next season will be aided by you know if there well, one we expect kind of further midfield incomings. 
you know, to come to the club, you'd imagine that his development would be aided then by not playing every three days and, you know, maybe, you know, take on a, a you know, not a new role, but, you know, a less robust kind of role, maybe, you know, be in that final third and, and kind of show his quality. But yeah, I think it's been a, a brilliant season for him. Sticking with you, Kiefer, best signing? Gakpo. Yeah, I think hands down, uh, as I said at the top, I, he's, I was just thinking about it today, he's not that I don't think journalists are allowed, but he's, he's probably my favourite football to watch at the moment in terms of, he's, he, for starters, he's the closest thing you can, you can probably get to Firmino in terms of like, you know, ready-made replacements. And I think there was a, a tweet going around that, he, you know, if you combine his kind of first five months at PSV and his kind of last at Liverpool, I think it's 40 goals. Well, no, 40 goals and assists, isn't it? In, Something in, like in, in It's 20 know, each. 20 each. 20, 20 yeah. Games. So that, you know, so that speaks for itself. And if you look at the role he's doing as well, and, you know, especially at Liverpool, I'm, I can't say I've watched too much of at him uh, during his time in Holland, but, you know, dropping deep and kind of linking play in that kind of typical, you know, early years of Firmino at Liverpool. Yeah, he's just been brilliant. And you just look at that now and you think with a full pre-season under his belt, with a, you know, fit and fire in front line, Luis Diaz coming back, I think it is a really exciting time. And I think that's maybe gone under the radar because when they did get the deal done, you know, the back end of December, start of January, I think a lot of people were saying, you know, rightly, where's the midfielder? But they were almost like laughing at the expense that they, you know, targeted this this kind of other area of the squad that, you know, people thought they were overstacked on at the time. It looked like Firmino was going to stay. But, you know, if you look at the names that have been linked with him, um, you know, after the World Cup in terms of United, I think Real Madrid were mentioned as well and a few other Premier League sides, you know, Julian Ward, if that's his kind of departing, departing presence to, to Liverpool and Liverpool fans, then it's one that's been, you know, greatly received and he's, what, he's still only 20, just turned 24, I think, last week or the week before. So, you know, the, the future is certainly bright in terms of you know his time at Anfield. Gakpo's played every single game since he signed, which is another thing as well, is yeah. that he's re- he's obviously durable. So he's probably going to pick up an injury in the first week. <laughs> Someone out there have said this, but he's like Salah. That's not, you haven't been able to say that about any other Liverpool forward. Nunes has had, is, you know, occasionally, it's obviously he didn't play against Samson or Villa, did he? He had a toe problem. That's we know about, before that as well. We, yeah, we, know, about Jota, well, yeah. we know about Jota, we know about Diaz. Um, and that's harsh on Diaz because he had one bad injury, but he played so no, much but football no, yeah, 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 but the point is, is that he's been, he's yeah. still this season. He's not mm-hmm. played, so that there's been somebody out for so long. We will have needed someone to come in and play all the games, and Gakpo's managed to do that. And he played all all season, the first half of the season on the left wing yeah. for uh, for PSV. I think he actually did play up front for Holland at the World Cup. Yeah. Then Liverpool signed him. I think he played left wing for two games, and he's played centre forward for the entire time. And you can see that he's he's this kind of player that. As Keeper said, he's, he's basically now the new Firmino. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You both go and Gakpo. And I think, yeah, sorry, just to, to kind oh, of... Oh, Gakpo, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just to kind of put, you know, one final spin on Gakpo, I think it's really interesting in, in terms of the approach kind of Liverpool went with last year, you know, signing an out-and-out number nine in Nunes and and now obviously five months later they signed Gakpo and, and now you're looking at the summer and thinking, well, which direction did they take? Did they go for that, what, tried and trusted you know, kind of 4 3, three kind of, you know, shape or, or did it go back to this, or sorry, going to this kind of new era with Nunes, but, you know, the fact that kind of Gakpo is dislodging this, you know, £64 million striker, you know, says just how well he's adapted. I think it's quite telling because if we've been doing this two months ago, so maybe full March international break after the 7-0, Nunes is actually in the conversation. But because of that, how his last couple of months have gone, it just feels like, oh dear, he's got to go again here. He's not yeah. even in the starting eleven. And it's reflected in the player ratings as well. <laughs> Which we'll get to later. <laughs> well, we won't. If you go to our website, you'll yeah. get to. Now, this one isn't signing-wise, because I think that'll be a bit harsh, mm. but we're just going to go for biggest disappointment. Oh, that's easy. That's getting halfway to Arsenal in October and realising I forgot my coat. That, oh, was, a okay. mass, that, was, a massive, that was a massive blow. Yeah, massive blow. If you're talking just... It doesn't even have to be a player, just, just, just a... 
most of the season is a massive disappointment. Um, I think, weirdly, I think conceding that last goal, last minute goal against Brighton in the FA Cup was a bit of a blow. Bit of a blow that I'd actually had to drive there twice within such a short space of time that it was like at least we got a row. Oh, no, so I think that I actually think that had a bit of an impact on the team actually, really for a little bit. I think that was probably. Well, there's been worse results. There's been worse results at Brighton this season, right? But I think that that was like probably the lowest point. Yeah, you, know, you can lose five two home to Real Madrid. Real Madrid just being Real Madrid, you know, although of course they couldn't keep that up forever. We found that up against found that out against Man City. Um, but I suppose you could argue, really, to be fair, it's Bournemouth, isn't it? It's losing yeah. to Bournemouth one 0 yeah. That's the real answer. I think the low point was Brighton in the FA Cup, but I do think the biggest disappointment was not building on that United win yeah. and getting beat one 0 at Bournemouth. You agree? Yeah, I think you could, there's probably a few games you could single out. I think the Leeds game, you know, losing the last minute outfield, I think that's always, you know, disappointing. And, you know, look at where Leeds have obviously finished the season. And not that I know every team could do this every season, but you, you kind of amassing the points as you go through the fixture list and thinking, well, if you picked up a point there or even, sorry, three points or even a point there, then it probably would have taken you over the line. But I know obviously Doyle says it's Real Madrid being Real Madrid, but I just think that the, the manner in which they lost that home leg and kind of going to the Bernabeu with, with nothing to play for was. Was a, was a big disappointment, and I know you know Real Madrid are Real Madrid, and it, they you know they are just a different beast in Europe. But I think it kind of showed after in that first kind of twenty minutes, you know they kind of went for it, and they knew there was you know this is that Madrid this is they went for it, and they knew there was kind of no way they were scoring three goals to to even take it to extra time. So obviously all the damage was was obviously done in in uh, at Anfield you know three weeks earlier. But I think obviously now you look at it. And there's going to be no Champions League football for at least another, you know, fifteen months at at least. Um, I think that one will kind of linger in the minds of supporters, you know, certainly over the summer break, um, just because of you know, kind of the running saga, shall we say, of Madrid, obviously twenty nineteen, twenty twenty two, and then oh twenty twenty one as well, and then obviously the one this year. I think I think it just stings a little more. Biggest surprise. Well, when I then got to Arsenal, and they then and they then and they then offered me a coat to wear for the game, which was very nice. And I remember saying, uh, you know, "What a club! Hope they don't get relegated." And they managed to avoid that, so it, oh, everybody ended up ended up being a winner from that little exchange. If you're talking about the football, though, um, biggest surprise probably how bad Fabinho was for most of the season. That was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> Tell you it was a surprise for Jurgen Klopp because they probably thought, "Oh no, we're gonna have to sign more players than we actually thought." Fabinho, though, obviously has turned it around a little bit. And I think he's very much a systems player, the, the way that he plays. That's why when he first started, and I gave him five against Torino in that never-to-be-remembered friendly. Oh, is that Sorry, like, Mr. Penn, yeah, 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 and I got, that's where Fabinho five came from. He then did hardly play for two months because he was still trying to get used yeah. to the system. Once he got in, he got, to, he got to grips with it. And I think the players this season, for various reasons, haven't been able to do it for the most part, which is why they've had to change the system towards the last couple of months, in the last couple of months, I should say. And, oh look, Fabinho's actually playing quite well again, which I don't think is any coincidence. I can't tell if that's a negative surprise or a positive surprise. I suppose it ended quite nicely. It did. It, it was yeah. a, Well, it was a negative surprise for the most part. Yeah, It wasn't a surprise that he got back to his form. The surprise was that he was so bad. OK, what about your one? <clears throat> Biggest surprise. Um, I... I don't know, I'll, I'll cop out on an easy one. I'll say Bissetic. Obviously, I, I know obviously those who watch the academy had known that he was someone who'd be, you know, been touted about for, you know, for a decent period of time since he'd kind of come to Liverpool. But I just think in the way he kind of adapted, at that, you know, you talk about that Brighton game coming in the middle of the sandwich between the Wolves defeat, wasn't it, and the Brighton League game, that kind of three, four-week period. And 
obviously Doyle says that was a, obviously a real low in Liverpool season. Um, but I just think obviously he came in after that. And I think it or maybe before that actually. I think it was a Chelsea game was his first start, wasn't it? The the nil nil at Anfield. In the Prem, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Um, but I I just think in 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 terms of the way he kind of stood up and and was accounted for, and I think it's a real shame that. You know, after the or even before the Madrid game, he got injured, didn't he? And obviously, he hasn't played since. And what was that? Was it thirteen or fourteen games in all the competitions, if that? And I just think if he could have had another ten or eleven games, and especially in this in this new system, I think it would have really benefited him ahead of you know a full preseason with the first team. But yeah, in, in just in terms of you know, you think last year he was a, a centre half playing for the twenty ones, and he missed most of the season. To be fair. Um, with injury and just the way he stepped up, I thought was you know absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, fingers crossed next season he can he can kind of take that next step and, and kind of go again. I'm with you on that one because with Pesic, I think there was a youth league game maybe last year he, he scored in, and the response was, oh, why is he not scored for us or something? Yeah. There, there was something like that, and they were predicting he'd have a big preseason, yeah. but it's still a surprise to see him have the preseason yeah. that he did to then absolutely. get into the first team. Now the next one, oh, seven nil versus United. I didn't even to ask the question. Highlight. Oh, that's easy. Get to Arsenal and then give me the coat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, yeah, you don't often beat Man United 7 0, do you? Um, can't think of anything else after that. I mean, there's some, some absolutely mad scores. Obviously, it wasn't at the Bournemouth game, but mm. you saw them beat Bournemouth 9 0. They beat Rangers 7 1 away. They beat 7 1. They beat Leeds 6 1 away, which is the biggest win they've ever had at Leeds. It was Rangers, they inflicted, that was Rangers' heaviest ever co- competitive defeat. It was Man United's joint heaviest ever competitive defeat. Crazy, it? it was the, Leeds, the biggest win they've ever had at Leeds. And yet they get beat 5 2 at home by Real Madrid, which was the heaviest ever European loss at home. I think it's the only time they've received five goals at home in Europe. And. Uh, 4-all against Southampton, 4-3 against Tottenham. Mm. When the Jota scored, that was funny, to be fair, that was funny. Uh, Jota scoring the so two. I think it got to the Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah. I think yeah. when the United game got to a point, it, it, it was like it two or three, it was just it was a bit silly. laughing, wasn't it? It was, it was just, just silly. Like... It was like, it, it was the reverse of when I went to see Liverpool lose 17 to Aston Villa. But by the time the fifth, sixth, and seventh goals were, you just sat there laughing, going, this is ridiculous, <laughs> this isn't proper football. And it felt a little bit like that against you. It's funny, isn't it? It's like, if you beat United 4-0, you go, or any team 4-0, you go, yeah, that was a great win. But if you beat them seven or eight, suddenly it's like, were they even trying? <laughs> it's like, and that's what happened with Bournemouth in a way. I mean, they got to Scott Parker, didn't they? Yeah. So, and Gary O'Neill used to be, you know, has worked at the academy, didn't he, for a very short period. He's done really well to keep them up. I thought Bournemouth, I thought Bournemouth might have gone when I watched them beat Liverpool. I thought they were terrible. That's how bad Liverpool were. Six wins in the last nine. Yeah, or something, were, wasn't it? So they got some got some great results. Didn't get one on the last day of the season, which was good for our our colleagues. But obviously, Everton didn't get relegated. But as you all know. <laughs> Everton are never getting relegated ever <laughs> you're talking about teams are having big defeats I suppose it's about time Southampton went down after a, a couple of 9 nils. yeah they got beat but then Hassan I forgot his name already Hassan Hootle Hassan Hootle that's it yeah Ralph Ralph he, um, he he was the manager for both of them wasn't he but yeah, yeah. He, got, he got most of the points you know. I think I'm pretty sure he got most of the points Southampton got this season it's like you should never have sacked him and it's like all the teams who did make changes, none got, of them paid off really. Exactly, yeah. And you saw you had, uh, well, Everton paid off. Yeah, but they kind of went before the trend, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, that was the, I mean, don't turn this into a podcast, but I think <laughs> Sean Dyche was the best, one of the best signings in the, in the January transfer window of any of the clubs, to be honest. Um, well, they didn't have anyone else. Exactly, I'm saying, exactly. That. So that was that they, they did really well to get him in and, and he and ended up saving them. And whether or not he's going to be there for much longer, I don't know. Um, but yeah. I mean, I know some Liverpool supporters were quite happy that Everton stayed up because it means they're going to get at least four to six points next season. I'm not amongst <laughs> them because anybody who knows that the derby is the worst game of the season. So looking forward to another two terrible games. And your last trip to Goosen? He will be, honey. Unless I've been going, going, going there, unless, you know, 
unless something strange happens. You never know. We can't, we can't, yeah, we can't assume. <laughs> let's not assume. Let's just let's just crack on with it today. I think we're still doing Harlow, and I'm just going to assume that yours is the seven nil. Yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Um, so, who are you most excited to see next season, playing-wise at the moment? I think there's a few, especially with the Europa League. There's a few of the young lads, I think, could maybe make that step up. Obviously, Ben Dokes, one that's caught the eye, um, you know, played a few times and obviously made his debut against Philadelphia and a few of the FA Cup games that followed on from that. And he looked really sharp and looked really bright, full of confidence. Kind of everything that you've seen in those 18s, 19s and 21 games, he took really into the first team, which you know, is always a positive sign. And... I think, yeah, he's he's the one, obviously, if you're looking at Europa League, someone you can, can benefit from there. Obviously, Besetic as well. You'd imagine he will, you know, maybe start in that kind of Europa League team, if you want to call it that. Um, but if we're talking on, like, the, the kind of the, the flip side of that, I think, obviously, Gakpo is one that I'm really looking forward to seeing. But I think Nunes um, is, is the big one. I don't know how it plans out in terms of, you know, as I just said, in terms of strikers and, and stuff like that. But I think there's... You know, everyone's kind of said, well, when he gets it right, when he gets it right, you know, there is a player in there and everyone kind of believes that. Um, and, you, you know, you look at the game he played for Benfica, both home and away against Liverpool, you know, last season. Obviously, the signs are there. Um, I just find it interesting when he, if he does kind of explode. Um, obviously, we kind of saw it with, with Mane. He kind of took his games at the next level. Firmino as well. Um, Salah's kind of constantly been a freak while he's been at Liverpool in terms of goal-scoring rise. But I just am interested to see how Nunes kind of does make that you know, next step, obviously, was it 15 goals in 24, 25 games is, you know, isn't a bad return or 25 starts, whatever it was. Um, and obviously he had chances, you know, more than enough to kind of break that 20 goal barrier. Um, but like I say, just in terms of polishing his overall game is something I'm really looking forward to seeing. And, you know, you, you feel like if Liverpool are clicking and, you know, they've got, a, a, a you know, there's a plan of forward line of Diaz, Nunes, Salah, and you've got Chota and, and Gakpo to add to it. I think that could be really exciting. But I think, in terms of the kind of the long-term direction of the club and obviously bringing in Nunes for that amount of money last summer, I just think next season is quite important for him. What about you? Is it getting a, another coat at Arsenal? No, what do you mean? That one, that's not a who though, is it? <laughs> be yeah. um, but if you say who, Alexis McAllister would be quite exciting yeah. to see him because that would mean he's signed, which he might not, or he could. You never know. Definitely Stay tuned. Next season. He definitely <laughs> will be, yeah, because he said he's going to be playing at a higher level than Brighton. Which suggests that he's well. He could, no, he could go to Roma, couldn't he? They seem to be signing everybody Liverpool are linked with. Liverpool should basically link themselves with lots of players who aren't that good, <laughs> then let Real Madrid go in and sign them, and then they can just go off and get the players that they actually want. That's obviously how transfers work. Yeah. Um, what was the question? Sorry. Well, excited <laughs> about next season. I'm excited about it finishing, <laughs> but then you were already next that. season. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't. Okay. You're always really excited for the season <clears> finishing. Um, players. Nunes. That was a very good point on Nunes. It'd be interesting to see Diaz, to be fair, yeah. <clears throat> and see what, what he can do because he's not had a, he's been eighteen months, he's not had a full season yet. So he's had half a season, has he really? Um so yeah, Diaz and whether he can kick on from what he had. So at the start of the season he was pretty good, wasn't he? And he's had one or two good games since he came back, but a, a couple of his performances were very much a player who's been out for six months and a little bit tired. Well, we saw that with Jota, didn't we? It took him a couple of yeah. months to get back to his best and then he exploded. And with Nunes, it's one where he's mentioned himself, 
oh, I'll just do what I did at Benfica. It'll be yeah, a that was bit of a slog, wasn't it, in the first year, and then the second year I'll go and score 35 I goals. I think he's, he's mentioned Suarez a few times yeah. as he on record in terms of... Who did exactly the same thing. Have we mentioned Jude Bellingham in this podcast yet? Yeah. <laughs> we haven't. Do, do we, we have to by law, don't we? Do oh, so we that, could be, that? that could be the next question if you want. The, the next question was, what is your prediction for the summer? So yours Oh, Jude Bellingham, yeah. I don't know what the question is, but I'm just going to say Jude Bellingham. What's my prediction for the summer? Well, the summer, the season, whatever you want it to be. Just one prediction. Well, for the summer, it's going to be hot. <laughs> well, you love answering questions you can't answer. Oh, well, hang on. Tom Cavilla is not in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, one prediction for the summer transfer window or for next um, season? I think Liverpool's had a centre-back. There you go. Oh, don't ask me which one. That's reasonable enough. That's yeah. almost sensible for you. Yeah, I think they will sign. <laughs> about you? One big prediction? <sighs> Liverpool can't be any worse next season, so... Oh, you've really put your, your necks on the chopping board here. Well, I've got a minute. It was a ridiculous question. Come on. Well, you like ask, ridiculous ask, ask, questions. Come on. I like asking ridiculous questions, okay. but I don't like answering them. Okay, well. Oh, go on, have another go. Give us another question to finish on. That was what I had left. Come on, we'll do a, bit, do a little bit of, you know. Okay. Oh, you would, biggest, you would take it away from the league, uh, Liverpool then specifically. Biggest surprise package next season in the Premier League? Um, everyone's set up to say Luton, but I'm going to say Burnley. Because I think Burnley will surprise people for the reasons we just mentioned before. They're not Burnley that went down. They're a completely different Burnley. In terms of, have you got, are you going to put your neck on line in terms of predict, like, top half? Or no. No, just... No, because I'm not... No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask me again in about <laughs> mid-August right. when the season's about to start and they've signed anybody. But no, not making any predictions yet. Fooled game, making predictions. So I'm going to end this Burnley podcast here. It's <laughs> an interesting end. I it's in podcast. Um, we'll be back again on Friday where I'd like to think you don't have a substitute teacher in the hosting role. We'll, we'll see, though. I think you did all right. I was did about to say. Yeah, I thought you did okay. Yeah, yeah. Ma- Ma- Better than last will be uh, sweating, so... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, stay tuned on the website for... Doherty's got something coming out on player ratings. I'm not sure if you mentioned it. Yeah. And then maybe we'll have something on Alexis McCarst or whoever else. That... Don't say that. You just don't say that. Cracket <laughs> Brigade will be coming for us. But yeah, stay tuned to website, YouTube, all usual places. Ian Doyle Sports on Twitter. At Ian Doyle Sports, yes. At Ian Doyle Sport. Yep. Oh, I've forgotten yours. Uh, <laughs> at Kiefer McD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've already forgotten it. <laughs> I've been Theo Squires. Ian Doyle, Keith McDonald. Until next time. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.